Samir. Here's Jose. Three seconds. Gives it to DeRozan. DeRozan's fading. What a tough shot. And it goes! DeRozan with plenty of time. It's five seconds. DeRozan on the drive. It's hit from the corner. Van Fleet. Van Good. A two. The Raptors lead with 1.1 to play. Matt, how's it going? Mike, you know how the injury bug has hit the Toronto Raptors right now, and we have so many injuries, right? Yeah, lots of guys out. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way. I hurt my I hurt my foot and or my Achilles to be in particular. So I'm okay. It's just in pain, and I understand. And like you know, like as someone who used to play basketball at you know like decent like decent decently enough high level and all the sort of stuff, never experienced. A sort of Achilles like sprain or tear or whatever is going on right now and um, I can see why it would really suck as a basketball player to like wreck your Achilles like DeMarcus Cousins I feel for you and I completely respect your recovery process because it hurts and it and, and I mean to actually tear it I just I can't even imagine that sort of pain yeah I've been saying that you've been a locker room present at Raptors Rapture similar to Boogie for quite some time so it makes sense that you have his injury. Um, from what I understand, a trip to New York, right? Visiting the greatest country on earth. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, and one of the. I mean, I mean, as someone who's traveled like a lot, of, like all over the U.S., um, but had never actually been to New York before this. Uh, you know, really fantastic city. Um, we were there. Uh, the the Knicks. The Knicks, uh, it, it was a Rangers game day. We went to Madison Square Garden. Uh, it was a Rangers game day, but the next day they were playing the uh, the Knicks were playing the Hawks. Um, and uh, but yeah, Madison Square Garden, gorgeous. Um, I mean, it's really, uh, you know, it's really it's really cool seeing it for a game, right? Because there's just, I mean, New York's already so crazy, but it feels like Times Square goes up a few blocks and it's just a, a, a mass of people. And, and I mean, for obviously for a New York Rangers game, it was a lot of red, white, and blue, just like the flag. And, uh, and, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it, it was an experience pretty much unlike any other. I mean, I mean, I'll give all the props to Scotiabank arena. It, it, it's a nice arena, but I just think that, you know, with the aura of Madison square garden, it's something that's, pr- that's probably pretty unrivaled. I would probably say, um, you know, other stadiums that I've been to, um, you know, I've been to Staples Center for a Clippers game, and and, and that was pretty cool, but I, I, I can imagine that a Lakers game would be much better. And I'm trying to think of, like, other really famous ones. I mean, I mean I've mean, i been to um, uh, uh, to see a Duke home game, and that was probably the greatest basketball-watching experience that I'll have just because of where it was, but Madison Square Garden is super cool, and I and I completely understand New York if you never ever shut that down. However, uh, the, uh, James Dolan, you could sell your stake in MSG so that maybe you know your teams could be good, or at least maybe manage better like the New York Rangers instead of the New York Knicks. Well, that's something where you know you kind of have to defer to the players, and all the players pretty much unilaterally have ranted and raved how that's the one arena in the NBA that's kind of, you know, they call it the Mecca for a reason. That's something I really think that New York's arena is probably the best in the NBA. And I'm not sure it's particularly close with other different arenas inside the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, do you think Smoothie King Stadium is going <laughs> to compete with? <laughs> what? By the way, what's up with these like random sponsors that are that that are going on uh with with uh with these stadiums what is it talking stick resort arena is the is the phoenix is the phoenix one um it's it, it, it it's crazy i mean i mean obviously the money's the money but uh that's why i kind of like the staples center deal um yeah just because yeah, and, and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm actually going to look it up here while we're sitting here. But I believe the Staples Center naming is like a lifetime agreement with Staples or something, something like that. I could be wrong. I'll check. Well, Wrigley Field isn't sponsored by Wrigley Gum anymore, so they kind of have it. I feel that Chicago couldn't change it now if they wanted to. So that's a pretty sweet deal for Wrigley. I know that they don't have to pay for the stadium deal and they always have it named after them so yeah and uh, i mean i mean uh, yeah that's 
Yeah, that's incredible. And yes, it is. It is. It's much like the um, uh, the the finance or the naming is much like the Staples Center naming or oh. the Wrigley Field naming. Sorry. Well, Matt, we're coming on here, and it's the closest we'll talk for Christmas before Christmas, and. I believe most people would kind of agree it's changed a little bit now that the season's moved up, but most people agree that the start of Christmas is, you know, the start of the official NBA season, as they say. Obviously, there's been a lot that's happened so far, so I thought now would be a good time to kind of just assess where we're at and just talk about what we've noticed through the first, I mean, obviously the All-Star break is one break in the season. I think there's kind of three breaks in the NBA. It's the Christmas Day, third of the season, that middle range until the All-Star break, and then post-All-Star break, because that actually happens quite a bit after halfway mark. So we're just kind of assess where Toronto's at as a team, kind of what we think moving forward, what to watch moving forward, and everything like that. Yeah, no, and I think that just as like a general, like just general off-the-cuff thought, I mean... Especially in terms of all the injuries, all the changes, and and everything that's you know you know all the the mystery surrounding Kawhi from looking back from our conversations to start the season, I think that Toronto has to be like I wouldn't say elated, but like pleasantly happy with where they're at. I mean, right now they're twenty four and nine, um, top uh, obviously obviously top team in the NBA right now, tied for a number of losses. Uh, with uh, the two other team, with with two other teams in Denver and Milwaukee. So, um, I mean, I mean, right now, right now, like we were prefacing at the beginning, they have an injury bug, and they've actually like battled injuries much throughout the season, which is way different than the previous Raptors seasons. It would be scary to think what would have happened if if they didn't get hit with any injuries or any of the injuries so far. And and, and I mean, too, especially like some weird freak injuries, especially the the Valanciunas injury um how like how like unfortunate and and weird that was because you know I mean I know a lot of people will say that Draymond played dirty on that play but it did look like at least to me like a pretty clean swipe on the ball that just happened to dislocate his thumb uh, uh, in a way that they couldn't fix it but for me I think that I'm very I, I'm I'm pretty pleasantly surprised with the team is at with, uh, where the team is at as well uh, navigating navigating this very difficult stretch, they 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 came out with a few more losses than maybe we would have hoped. Um, but again, injuries kind of you know uh, tamper my uh, need to like jump off a cliff or something, saying that the Raptors are done. Uh, you know the uh, it, it's surprising, definitely surprising some of the competition and where the standings are right now. I mean, I don't think people would have guessed Boston in fifth. Um, and Milwaukee in second, but I think I think the Raptors will definitely want to to do something to uh, really push up that uh, uh, their expectations because Milwaukee looks like a very dangerous team and a team that you almost have to prepare for more too. But if we're looking at second round matchups, right? If Toronto's going to be number one, that four that four five matchup is Indiana Boston, right? Like. Like the those five are going to be competing, and obviously out of either of those teams, I would take Indiana. And the Raptors are pretty built to beat Boston, but um, you know there's lots of there's lots of changing pieces. The first round, I think, will actually the Raptors could have an op- actual opportunity to sweep. Um, however, Brooklyn's playing quite well, and I could see Brooklyn in that eighth spot as well. So I would say pleasantly surprised, but the competition is maybe a little bit fiercer than we would have thought. Right. If we were kind of planning out the different outcomes that could have started at the beginning of the year. I would say this is in the 80th percentile of what Raptors fans could have expected, where, you know, if 50% is just exactly what you would have expected, this is leaning towards a good side. By no means would I would say this is the best possible outcome, but it's certainly above average or what I expected going into the season. Um, your points to the different teams competing – the East has five good teams, and that's something that hasn't been necessarily the case over the past four to five years or really kind of since LeBron to the Heat. The teams, I think, that have kind of separated themselves are the Toronto through the Pacers. 
I think the Pacers are maybe, you know, if the rest of those groups are in Tier 1 of the East, Pacers are 1B, where they're not quite as good as those teams, but they're certainly miles ahead of everybody else. In terms of who the biggest competitor, if we were speaking on who's played the best this season, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they've actually played a little bit better than Toronto. I know Toronto has the best record at this point, but their losses are tied. If you look, I'm someone who looks a lot more at net rating than I do actual wins and losses. The Bucks have the best net rating in the NBA by a considerable margin. They have the number one offense in the NBA right now in the number five defense. They've been the best team in the NBA to me so far this season. I still think Boston is the biggest hurdle to get out of the East, but obviously Milwaukee is the big addition to what we were looking at preseason. Yeah, and uh, that I mean, I mean that's how you're gonna win championships, right? With the number one ranked offense and the number five ranked uh, defense. And it's funny because the Raptors really built themselves to uh, this season to play against Boston, right? Thinking that they were the big, the you know the big hurdle to get over, like you were saying. But I, I mean, I mean to be honest with you, like right now, I would much rather play Boston than I would. Um, Milwaukee, and I think the reason why is because when the Raptors when the Raptors need a spark or 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 go to their bench, they always go to smaller guys, right? Like the Fred, especially the Fred VanVleet, who's been playing really well recently, and and guaranteed so. But Milwaukee just has all these lanky guys and all these like tall guys, and the Raptors have such rebounding problems, which I think is the thing that concerns me the most so far this season is the re or one of the things is the rebounding but i i mean i mean over a seven game series that is going to be a tight finish and Kawhi needs to be exactly on point for i think the raptors have a chance to beat milwaukee good i like when we disagree a little i still think the celtics are the top team in the east for the raptors to kind of battle with to me they're the team that i look at with the most top end talent and their ceiling is the highest of any of the teams in the East. Yeah, it hasn't worked out so far, and they've actually started to put it together here in the past couple days, or the past two weeks. Yeah. But that they have the most top-end talent, and they have four guys. And I know Jalen Brown's played poorly this season. I know Gordon Hayward's played poorly this season. But to me, their top-end talent is a lot more than Milwaukee. When you look at Milwaukee, their third-best player is who? I mean, Eric Bledsoe. That doesn't scare me as much as Boston, who just has more guys that I'm afraid of in a seven-game series. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I mean, it's it's interesting, right? Because because obviously, like, I mean, I agree with you. The the talent on Boston is is it is better. It's just it's just I think that the Raptors just match up better with that, and I, and I just don't know if it's the height. Um, of Milwaukee just 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 overpowering me, but I mean, uh, you know, like scaring me away from that. It's just, it's just like 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 sometimes when I look at the Raptors, they look so small, and 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 normally that would be a good thing, right? But with the three point shooting woes of this team, right? Especially, and I mean, and, and I mean, credit to uh, give a little bit of credit to Nick Nurse, the three point sh- the, the the looks have not necessarily been bad for the most part, right? Uh, it's just the inability to score those those looks that has been concerning. So, and again, I also think the Milwaukee Bucks is another tough matchup for um, JV as well with Brook Lopez. Um, really, uh, you know, you know, like I mean, out of nowhere becoming a three point god and uh, being able to stretch the floor out of nowhere, which is I mean, great for him, right? So I think that's why it's just it's just it's just that the personnel of the Milwaukee Bucks. While maybe not as talented, I think, I think is is that now, that now is being coached well, is really concerning me in terms of how do you how how do the Raptors stop them right? I mean, if I'm the Boston Celtics, I would uh, the, the same way too. I think, I think that uh, you know Boston, uh, while they have Jason Tatum as somebody who could try to guard uh, Giannis as well, that uh, I don't I, I just don't know if there's any team that matches up at least player to player with Milwaukee right now, and that's the big concern. Another point that, and we di- and we agree on so much here, is I am more of a favor when the Raptors go smaller than you are. Yeah. And one of the things that I was so happy about last night was 
the matchup with Pascal Siakam at center. Still wondering why we don't unlock that lineup a little bit more and why Nurse hasn't used it so far this season. Maybe he's kind of getting to that point, but I to me that's one of the biggest surprises of this season that we haven't seen any Pascal at center lineups. But do you think that that lineup can work against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks? Obviously, it could, like, I mean, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong, like, I like, 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 like the, at time, like, I mean, I don't know. I like, I just very think like matchup driven, right? Like trying to either find an advantage some way, right? Or stop the bleeding if, if the advantage is not in your favor at that point. And I worry that like that, like that sort of lineup could really work. I can see it really working against um, the Boston Celtics, but I worry about it a little bit more against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, because I just think that they would just get overpowered and rebounding wise on everything. Right. Right, you worry about the glass matchup a little bit, but they don't they don't cr- crush the offensive glass. They don't have a center who is going to kind of beat you down low in the post and really hammer you down low. I know Brooke Lopez used to be a low post guy, but he's shooting seven three point attempts a game. To me, I would like to see against the Bucks. You put Pascal at center. You switch everything across the board, with the exception of maybe don't put smaller players onto Giannis, but. I would like to see a more switching style, preventing them from getting all those three-point attempts up and have them kind of attack the rim more. I think the key to stopping Milwaukee is to stop the three ball, which they've been so effective at this season. Yeah, I would say that um, um, I don't know. I don't know your thoughts on this because there's certainly been a few games where the Raptors have um, have been crushed by threes. But for me, actually, I think one of the th- one of the most surprising things this season has been the Raptors' ability to actually run teams off of the line. I think that the best display of that was against um, uh, the Golden State Warriors and uh, the second time. And, I mean, for me, for me, I think that the team has done a really good job of that, especially Lowry. Shout out to Lowry for being able to, 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 to you know, to shuffle or, uh, you know, firecracker his feet out to the line so that the team does have to drive. Now, it's led to some dunks, it's led to some things, but it's preventing teams from shooting three-pointers or finding a rhythm three uh, when shooting threes. And uh, I'm going to be really interested to see them like, play the Bucks again where they, you know, the Bucks have kind of crushed them on the threes a little bit more. And teams like, uh, you know, the Houston Rockets, as long as, you know, James Harden isn't like – you know, step back, step back, step back, step back like five times to see them, to see, to, to uh, 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 that video is hilarious. And, um, you know, like, like, like really watch them uh, continue to run like three high volume, three point shooting teams off of the line. Because I mean, in terms of defensive changes from this season to last season, it's been one of my favorite things is that I'm like, Oh yeah, they're actually running teams off of the line and teams are finding it like not shooting as many wide-open looks as they did against the Raptors in the past. Well, I'm going to go kind of two ways on this. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong the first okay. time and then tell you why you're right, kind of backing it up, coming okay. back. Um, the reason why you're wrong is the Raptors actually allowed the second-least amount of three-pointers per game last season. Last year... Oh, opponent, did they really? Okay. Yeah, they only shot 25% of their shots or they only had 25 opponent three-point attempts per game. But the reason you're right is you're feeling they're running them off the line so much more this season is because we're sending more help in the pick and roll. And as we send more help in the pick and roll, you're going to generate other three-point looks for teams. So teams are getting these three-point looks due to help defense. However, I still think that you're right in the focus has been to, so you might be giving up more three-pointers overall, but that's just because of the scheme of your defense. I still think there's been a concerted focus by the Toronto Raptors to run them off the line. So while you're giving up more as a whole, scheme-wise, you're kind of preventing less compared to what scheme you're running, if that makes any sense. That is, it's such a shocking stat to me, that 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 uh, the, the first stat that you gave there about um, allowed threes just because it felt like the complete opposite <laughs> from last season. But, well, last um, season you just stuck to your man and you didn't allow open three pointers because there was no help defense. So right, you were right. sticking to your man, not allowing three pointer shot, shot attempts. It doesn't necessarily mean you're doing a better job of running opponents off the line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you, you know what, I guess that's true. So, um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, 
I don't know. I mean, for me, I don't know. For me, I just think that the the, the defense the defense alone has impressed me for the most part. Even in some of the losses, um, you know, I mean, I think I think if if I were to say which end of the ball I'm more concerned about overall, I would definitely say the offensive end over the defensive end. I think that you know the 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 defense is generating more steals, more tips. Um, Kawhi Leonard is it's just it, it it's funny. I think his it's hilarious to say, but his biggest defensive asset really is his hands. I mean, just they're his unreal. He has his hands are sick. Yeah, like 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 even yesterday, uh, who did he get that steal for the? He, he, who did he steal it off of for an open dunk? It was Oladipo. Uh, he did. He yeah, stole one yeah. off Victor Oladipo. Then he turned around and he tried to poke the ball free out of Oladipo. It was just a blatant reach, and I think it was the first time I ever saw a guy kind of with a heat check reach. It was like a heat yeah. check defensive performance. Yeah, yeah, like, and I mean, you know, stealing off of the, the ball off of Victor Oladipo is is no small task, right? Um, and he just did it. He just did it with such ease, and just like the way he rebounds the ball, and like, it's it it, it really is a joy to watch every single game. Um, and uh, you know, I think I think I think he really mans that defensive end with such uh, with such you know ease. And uh, it really is nice as the, I think the biggest change from this season to last season is that I can, you know, unclench a little bit on the defensive end, especially in these close games that like, you know, the Raptors do have actually have a chance to stop the ball here instead of in the past where it would be, oh, God, they're just going to attack DeRozan in the pick and roll or attack Valanciunas in the pick and roll and it's going to be an easy dunk. So um, the offensive end obviously needs some work. Um, the I mean. I don't really know what you do about threes and saying, hey, guys, we need to make more threes, um, especially since they are generating good looks. Uh, it would be nice if you could somehow turn that rumored package of JV, OG, and um, and I know I know you probably don't like the trade, and CJ Miles for uh, Bradley Beal, but, I mean, if you, you love could. it. No, I love that trade. Oh, oh, oh you do? I, I'm a Bradley – I don't think the Wizards are going to take pretty much anything Toronto has unless Pascal's in it, which I think, obviously, you don't do in that case. I, I think the price is too high for Bradley Beal, but if it were available, I would be all for it. I just don't yeah. think – I don't think that's going to be an option for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if, I mean, I mean, I would make that trade. I think, I think a disappointing part of the season has been OG's underdevelopment. Uh, you could even argue that he maybe has regressed a little bit. Uh and and that was a foul last night, by the way. 100%. Oh my gosh! Oh, he hacked him. He hacked yeah. him. Yeah. Ryan tried to argue in the in our group Slack here at the Rapture that uh, that he wasn't so sure. And I thought, I mean, that video, especially the way he recoils and you see the Raptors' body language, he definitely hacked him on that. Oh yeah, 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 hundred yeah. percent. Um, I think, and, and by the way, that like slack argument was hilarious um <laughs> uh the i just i don't know man it's just like just like if we could somehow get bradley beal on this team and have a starting lineup if somehow you could by some magic make that have a starting lineup of lowry beal Kawhi, siakam and abaka that is a very competitive lineup yeah i, I think that's a step above right now i think the raptors are in the mix with the rest of the Eastern Conference teams. To me, you add Bradley Beal to the mix, and all of a sudden, you're a little bit distinguished from the rest of the Eastern Conference teams as far as being one of the better teams. Uh, it's funny you mentioned the defense. The defense this season, actually, compared to the rest of the league, is a little bit worse. However, I'm with you that it feels a little more sus sustainable this year. Last year, we were so rigid and not helping off, and that that does a lot of things for your defense that's good. And I guess kind of to fill the listeners in, I'll talk about the major scheme changes defensively for the Raptors this season, the last season. Last season, Dwayne Casey played a very traditional pick-and-roll system where he defended the pick-and-roll with two as often as he could. And what that means is you usually have your big drop back in coverage. Sometimes you would have them hedge out with JV and Jakob. A lot of times you had them drop because they were both pretty good drop defenders. And then you would essentially have this uh, guard either go over or under the screen in order to contain the pick and roll. Most of the time trying to go over, corral the defender. What Toronto's doing this season is, one, they're switching a ton more, especially off the ball. They're also switching. 
but they're switching everything more, and they're more often than not bringing a third defender in some cases if they need to to help. So what that does is it opens up more three-point attempts, as we've noticed in the fact that they kick the ball out when three covers two. Obviously, you kick it out and you have a set of rotations. But what I think it also does is it stops individual scores from going off on you, and you don't have situations like LeBron James dropping 40 on you because you're not sending help in the pick and roll and you're not switching the pick and roll. So this season, I think it will be more sustainable moving towards the playoffs if you have a defense that's more designed to be malleable in its help and sending other defenders to stop the number one scoring option. So sorry, Matt, I know that was a bit of a long soliloquy, but uh, yeah, I'm with you on the defense being a little more sustainable for this season. As we talk about three-point percentage, I just I don't think this team needs an inject of three-point shooting. If you look at the players on the roster and you go guy by guy, they're all shooting significantly worse than their career averages from three-point range. And I just think that you have to wait for those players to recover rather than make a brash move to add shooting when I think there's plenty of shooting on the roster, even if it hasn't displayed itself yet. Yeah, so you're so you're more so in the camp that it's more important to build chemistry for this team moving towards the playoffs to be and and that the three point shooting will work itself out then. Yeah, I I think that's my stance as of right now. Maybe we get a little bit closer to the trade deadline and things change and you think that you have to add other pieces. But when you look at kind of the peripheral pieces of this team, yeah, Dewan Wright's not a great three point shooter. He's not a bad three point shooter. CJ Miles has been bad this season, but he's a good three-point shooter. OG has been, you know, a little bit down this season, but he's been letting it fly. I just, these guys to me are going to turn it around. I don't expect all these guys to continue to shoot below their career averages. To me, the law of averages tell you that they'll eventually pick it up. And that's what our biggest, I wrote today a column, or maybe it was a couple days ago, about the biggest concerns of, this team and to me this is the concern i'm you know least worried about moving forward so 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 you definitely think that cj miles has not played himself out of the lineup then <laughs> like 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 people on twitter seem to <laughs> seem to be no you know i mean the guy's been a great shooter for 12 years i'm not gonna freak out over 27 games i like i i get why you would think with a team of this many guys that he hasn't earned the right, but to me, C.J. Miles has played well enough throughout his career that I'm going to continue to plug him into the lineup and see what he does until about game 50. Shout out to C.J. Miles, by the way, though. I actually thought, um, and Nick Nurse as well, for trusting in in a veteran there at the end of that game. He, he, he had those two plays that really saved the game and allowed the Raptors to seal the win for them. Um, and, and and I mean I just think him poking the ball out uh, uh, off of that off uh, off of that uh, uh, offensive miss was probably the the turning point in that game because it allowed the Raptors to get that final three point shot that they needed. Yeah, huge from game from him and a huge game from Lorenzo Brown, who also you know played very little but played very impactful minutes for the Raptors. And I've I've been pretty critical that I don't think he's an NBA player and. and times you're wasting a roster spot but you know what he does all the right things he says all the right things from everything that i see he's a great locker room guy and he's just someone that you root for yeah yeah i mean yeah it's tough to know where lorenzo brown fits because who knows if next year if Kawhi leaves and everything falls not everything falls apart but um you know. like the raptors have to me the raptors have one more roster spot if the Raptors are getting rid of someone at the end of this season, it's got to be Malachi Richardson far before it's Lorenzo Brown if you're yeah. talking for a midseason pickup. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, Malachi Richardson... He just looks... I, I, I'm, I, not to go on a rant here, but I mean, I he just looks so dopey on the court as far as just a <laughs> lack of effort. And and it, maybe it's not a lack of effort, it's a wrong way to put it, but he just he has absolutely no urgency to his game whatsoever. And you have a guy who's 23 years old, and I get it, but they've essentially, by declining this option, assured that he will not be back for the team next season. So I, I don't get the point of ever playing him a minute on the NBA floor. 
What so since so since they didn't pick up DeLon Wright's option, do you, what do you think DeLon Wright's future on the team is then? Well, DeLon Wright didn't have an option. He has a player oh. option at the end of this year. Sorry, yeah. So yeah, they yeah. didn't extend him. Right, um, sorry, sorry, extend him. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. You're fine. Uh, they didn't extend him. His option, I think that they'll play out this year. No team is going to break the bank the way DeLon Wright's playing this year. So DeLon Wright probably wanting to secure his financial future will take the most lucrative deal because he hasn't gotten a big contract yet, and the Raptors will match that deal. I think he's pretty safely still with the Raptors. I wouldn't guarantee it if somebody makes an offer. But the way he's playing right now, I don't think the offer will be anything crazy. So to me, he's still probably with the team next year because if you're Toronto, you want to keep the asset at all costs. But I don't. I mean, I would put it at maybe 70 stay, 30 leave. What do you think? Do you think the Raptors will make a trade? Yes, and actually, I, I should have phrased that better with DeLon Wright. I think it's 70-30 if he's here in the offseason. I think there's a good chance DeLon Wright is the one that's involved in the deal, and it wouldn't shock me if it was DeLon Wright, Norman Powell, for a contract of Norman Powell's salary. Really? And I, I, and I don't know what that is. I, just to me, DeLon Wright helps you get off Norman Powell, who is at this point, let's be honest, he's a bad contract. I, and maybe his contract is, you know, it's at the lowest point of his career, or not, maybe not his career, but it's at the lowest point. Really, it's been at some time, so maybe you don't want to trade Norman Powell when he's at his lowest value. However, to me, Norman Powell's the obvious salary match candidate him and cj miles and maybe miles more so than powell i guess but norman powell doesn't provide much to you and he provides you some salary to work with in any deal <laughs> there's um you might not get the sentiment uh, based on where you live but there's some sentiment that nor in toronto that norman powell is untradeable because he no, the Kawhi. He, yeah because of Kawhi. i that's a little bit Kind of down, but at the same time, like if it improves your chance of getting Kawhi by five percent, then maybe it's not that crazy. I don't know. I flip back and forth between thinking that's really stupid and I see some credence to it. Do you think what do you, what do you think Kawhi's temperature is right now? Of just the team and staying and what he wants to do, like like what do you think is going on in his head i know it's impossible to know and everybody's asking that question constantly but <laughs> right so it seems like he likes toronto it seems like he's been a fan of everything that's happened but when you hear Woj talk it sounds more like he's leaning la still and when in doubt i trust Woj. so i would still Where? leaning leave but just watching him it seems like he wants to stay where where did all that where, where did that comment come from from Woj? Because I missed that. Like I just saw the aftermath of it, where people like, just like kind of exploded again that he was leaving. Like, did, did that come from somewhere? Did I miss something? Him and Zach Lowe did a, a show together, kind of talking about it was on a little bit after maybe on twelve fifteen, talking about players in the trade deadline and things like that. And it was actually in an Anthony Davis conversation, and it was just a side nugget where he kind of mentioned that. They were talking about L.A. adding another star and the Lakers, and he said he's still leaning L.A., but probably it looks more like the Clippers and the Lakers. And that's kind of what's snowballed in from a just throwaway comment from Woj that snowballed into major Toronto news. Yeah, that's and, – and, and, I mean, obviously hearing that from Woj is concerning because he just seems to have all the hookups. Um, <laughs> Brian Windhorst called him the 31st team in the NBA. Which he really is. He, he said that it's amazing. He goes, he only reports about 20% of what he knows, which is absolutely freaking bonkers when you think about how many breaking stories Woj reports. Oh, my God. I, I mean, that's a that's a phenomenal stat. Like, he's like a uh, – like, 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 he's like the ultimate insider for anything. Like, like no, like no political yeah, – There's like no, no Scheffner – like, Scheffner doesn't even compare to what Woj does. And I no. get with – it's so much harder in the NFL and because there's so many guys and you don't care about who's being cut and picked up and all those little things as much. So I'll give Scheffner that it's just it's more difficult in the NFL. But when you talk M 
NBA insiders, and Shams had that one summer where we thought Shams and Woj was going to be a rivalry. But it's, I mean, it's turned out kind of, if Shams and Woj were Chris Paul and Darren Williams, then Woj was the Chris Paul of NBA reporters. Yeah, 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 because it's just like, I mean, Woj just, he, he just has it more consistently, you know, and, and Shams will sometimes get the, the, the leftovers. I yeah, find. yeah. Like, it, like, and I was I was kind of wondering what ESPN was going to do with him, and I thought, well, why do you care if you break the story as opposed to Yahoo? What does it matter to you? And I was completely wrong. They found a way to use him in so many different ways, and he's just one of the biggest assets the company has. So they they made the right call on that, and I was completely wrong. Yeah, I think um, I think I, I I agree with you too because I, I I find I find there's more Woj just. Just on on social media, on everything, like he just seems more present than he was before, and he was already so present. So you know, shout out to ESPN for for doing a great job of of just 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 crushing it with with, with that coverage and making their. I mean, I, I, I mean, their NBA coverage just kind of come back a little bit, right? With the jump being very popular and Rachel Nichols doing so well and Woj and all that sort of stuff that, uh, that, that, that you know, it's a, it's a little bit more interesting to listen to the ESPN commentators. Of course, they still have their, like, Paul Pierce, who, who looked really, <laughs> who looked, who looked really, really sad, um, uh, having to say that the Raptors looked good, uh, the other day. <laughs> but, like, but like you know, ESPN has those guys, that, those guys too, that people just like roll their eyes at. But uh, but the, but there's good stuff there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of just focusing back, back to the Raptors as yeah, I, sorry, as yeah, I sorry. no, I sidetracked us. Um, as we go back to the Raptors, I mentioned that I'm not concerned about the three point shooting. How, how concerned are you? Oh man, I. Uh, the, like it, it, it's tough, right? Because there's really there's really two pieces to three point shooting: being able to generate three point shots and being able to finish three point shots. And I guess I should have more of your opinion because the ability, the Raptors' ability to find the 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 three point shot or find good opportunities for three point shots has without a doubt been there. I think that it has like 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 there's been plenty of open opportunities. Uh, they have just not been falling, and I, it, and I just a little concerned that maybe the qual, like like the quality of shooter isn't necessarily there a few times, and I think that you know, um, now again Fred VanVleet has been turning it around, and um, Kawhi Kawhi is a so-so three-point shooter, but he he obviously does everything else, so it's, well, so it's totally fine. But kind of just bringing it back, but if you look up and down this roster and. I'm going to go three-point attempt, guys, for you on the team. Kyle Lowry, good or bad three-point shooter, and we'll just go through. Kyle Lowry. Oh, he's a good three-point shooter. Danny Green. A uh, good three-point shooter. Kawhi Leonard. Uh, like like second-tier three-point shooter. Fred VanVleet. The same, second-tier, I would say. OG Ananobi. Eh. Uh, hey. <laughs> He, uh, what's up with his back, by the Jury's way? Jury's out on OG. I'll, I'll grant you that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. CJ Miles. Uh, career, career. Career, okay, good. Serge Ibaka. Uh, it's probably the same tier as Kawhi. Okay, so that's our top seven guys in three-point attempts. And they all, you know, like all those guys can shoot. You're talking Kawhi yeah. Leonard, you know, he's a 38% career three-point shooter, so... Right. All those guys to me can shoot, and I'm not worried that they've had the slow start. And Pascal Siakam, I think, is shooting a little bit greater than I. Do, I just don't think that 37% is going to last. I understand. Also, if you take a look, a deep look at the numbers, that 37% is the biggest dare you to shoot three pointers ever. Which good for him, he's making them. But I, j- Pascal Siakam to me is still not a good three-point shooter despite his 37%, and that might sound hypocritical, but when you look at the a number of wide-open threes he's getting and the kind of threes he's getting, that 37% makes a little more sense to you. Yeah, 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 no, fair enough. And, and I mean, I mean, we'll see what happens, right? I, but I guess you're, uh, uh, I guess I'm kind of defeating my own argument by saying this, but at least they're being able to find the shots. Right, and they're not taking like forced threes. Yeah, exactly. With two people in their face, unless 
Unless, of course, you know, it's a bad offensive possession. Nor is Kyle Lowry pulling up, which I'm still okay with him shooting those crazy three-pointers. I think he's a good enough shooter that I'm good with him taking, you know, maybe not all of them, but one or two semi-reckless threes a game attracts enough of the defense's attention, and he makes them enough that I'm okay with it. I need to take – I need to take, like, some heart medication or something when he does that um he, he because it's either it's either it goes up and in and my heart just like races 100 miles an hour or it or it clanks off the back of the backboard and my heart just absolutely sinks <laughs> he's behind curry and lillard and i'm probably missing someone but he takes the most difficult three-point attempts i think of anyone in the league when it just comes to holy crap, that's from miles out. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It's like Curry, Curry level. Yeah. It, it's just below Curry, just below Lillard, because Lillard fires some just absolutely insane triples as well. But he's right up there with them as far as difficult percent or difficult three point attempts. Danny Green, interestingly enough, is still over forty percent. I thought he would climb back down to thirty eight, but he's had a couple good games here as of late, kind of bounced back up. Matt, what do you think about the bench? How much do they concern you so far? Oh, I mean, they've, they've, they've started to turn it around slightly um, over the past little while. Uh, I think, I think I'm going to kind of take your position like on the three pointers in that, in that the body of work speaks to a little bit more than the actual um, uh, than the actual piece uh, than the actual work this season. Um, they uh, they obviously started off the season horribly, and, and and of course were a little bit injured as well. So they're starting to find a groove. I mean, I mean, I look at yesterday, right? Like yesterday was a perfect example of how the bench can actually be a positive, and uh, if we count Fred VanVleet as a bench player, which he is. Um, the the ability to be able to uh, to bring in those players I think is good. I do think that this team is more like a playoff team though, in that once it comes down to the nitty gritty of the playoffs, I think we're going to see the lineups tighten up just a little bit more than we than we may have in previous seasons. Right. It does worry me as we talk about trades and everything like that. It feels like every player on this team, from a bench perspective, is losing value as the day goes on. If you think about DeLon Wright and OG and Anobi, to me their trade value is significantly tanked from where it was at the beginning of the season. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that the Raptors, uh, he just, yeah, like, 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 like last season it was through the roof, like, is the bench as good as – do you have two starting lineups and which I mean crazy, <laughs> but um, now it's now it's clear that the bench is is a bench and uh, just the pieces the pieces just you know they're 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 not as strong as they were. Um, it's amazing that Jakob Pertl was the glue that kept it all together. But for me, I just think uh, I just think the bench has been a little underwhelming um, and uh, and uh, I don't see it like improving to the point where it was a such a positive last year but i'm okay with that um if 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 we have a few star if we have a few shining lights that can maybe let us go eight deep eight or nine deep but no more i agree um and kind of just previewing what we have coming out here soon um doing a little bit of research into my trade value rankings which ben simmons actually released his for the entire nba just today so Stepping on my toes a little bit, I'm sure Bill Simmons is definitely looking into what I'm writing. Um, but last year, OG Ananobi was first on that list, and to me, he's obviously taken a huge step back this season as far as value to the team and kind of what he offers. He's His step back, I think, is a large part of this bench's decline as far as he was a member of the starting unit last year, yes, but I think a lot of people thought if he shifted to the bench, he would provide a huge presence for them, and he's really been forgettable in his role for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so for so forgettable that I don't even really have much to say that we haven't already said about it. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. Um, 
Anything else that you kind of have noticed through the first 30-so games of the season, Matt? Oh, man. I uh, You know, I just think I, you know, I think I have to thank LeBron James a little bit because I think there's a, so many intriguing uh, pieces or, or so, so, many, so many intriguing storylines going on in the Eastern Conference that it's actually made the conference a little bit more interesting and um, a, a, as a whole. And, I, it, and, you know, every single move that, that teams are making, I mean, Philly, I mean, Philly obviously felt that that they had to make that Jimmy Butler trade. Right. That is that it's going to be a very fun thing to watch over the next little while to see what happens in the Eastern Conference, because even right now, like every loss feels heavy. Right. Like every loss feels like it it uh, like like it shakes and changes the balance. Right. And I'm constantly looking to see if the Bucks are if the Bucks are going to lose a game, which it looks like they're not going to. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, no, I think I, I'm excited and I'm very excited to see what happens. Um, I think I think Golden State might be a little bit more vulnerable than they ever have been, but who knows? Uh, when when Demarcus Cousins comes back, they could just be the monsters and destroy everybody. But um, you know, there's a few Eastern Conference opponents that I think Golden State's probably a little worried about. Uh, with LeBron out of the East, it feels like the regular season matters more. Yeah. In a sense that because LeBron took the regular season off, it almost felt last year as if it didn't really matter what anyone was doing in the Eastern Conference because, oh, who cares, LeBron's just going to gear up for the postseason, sure enough, rip through the entire conference. This year, it feels a little different as far as Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, all battling for home court. And as you said, each loss matters more than it did last season in that regard. In, yeah. in regards to your comment of Golden State, I, I think they're more vulnerable than ever. And I know Boogie Cousins is going to come back, and he's a great player, and I don't doubt that at all. But a guy coming off an Achilles injury who was a little, a little on the heavier side before his injury, I'm not sure how great he is of an impact. Draymond Green has really fallen off offensively. He's still great on the defensive end, but he's basically become – a non-three-point shooting threat. Golden State is still, obviously, the class of the NBA, but for the first time, you know, since the KD run, if I was giving Golden State or the field, I would take the field. So, Toronto fans, there is hope. Don't just think that it's another buzzsaw when you get to the NBA Finals. I think there's a legitimate chance that Golden State loses this year. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think so, too. And I think the... I mean, do do you think they have any challengers in the in the Western Conference? Like, do the Nuggets hold up a chance, or or, or anything, or, or or are the challengers legitimately in the Eastern Conference? Which is crazy to think and say, but it could be true, right? Yeah, it's nuts to say. I to me, the biggest challengers are in the East right now. If you told me, you know, they lost in the West, I wouldn't be shocked. The Nuggets are a nice story. I I don't think they're there yet. They have too many defensive flaws, and I realize that they've been really good in defensive rating this year. In fact, they've been better than the Toronto Raptors in defensive rating this year. But when it comes to the playoffs and you throw Nikola Jokic in a pick and roll, we'll see what they do. He's been better this season than ever before, and they've even been dealing with injuries. So maybe they'll prove me wrong. I just I don't think they're there yet. The Oklahoma City Thunder are the best defensive team in the NBA. They have... Four guys, when you go through, if you add Robertson to the bunch, where it's Robertson, Paul George, Jeremy Grant, and Steven Adams that are just absolutely in your face the entire game. To me, they don't have the offensive firepower to get there yet into a man. They just don't have as many guys as the Golden State Warriors. So I think there's a chance that it happens in the Western Conference, but if they're going to be knocked off, I would still look towards the Eastern Conference powers mainly the Toronto Raptors or Boston Celtics. Whew. It, I mean, that feels good to say. And, and you know, Kawhi, what, don't you want to be involved in this? <laughs> don't yes. go to the Clippers, Kawhi. Don't the Clippers, I, you know, that's really going to be upset. If he leaves for L.A. and wants to play with LeBron, it's one thing. But, I mean, Tobias Harris, Patrick yeah. Beverly, that's who you're leaving us for? Come on, Kawhi. Yeah, like, I mean, it, 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 you know what? You know what's funny though. Taking bringing this podcast all the way back to the beginning is, 
is nobody is talking about the New York Knicks as a legitimate uh, uh, threat to grab a free agent all of a sudden. And, and, and come on, like James Dolan, like everybody wants to play there, but nobody wants to play there at the same time. It's, it's just like, it's just fascinating to me, you know? I, I've just been hearing about how the Knicks are going to land a big name free agent for the past 10 years. And at some point, I just have tuned it out and I'm done hearing about. I mean, maybe they do get Kevin Durant. Maybe it's been interesting. Kawhi, for some reason, that's not one of his main teams. And he wanted to go to the Nets, but not the Knicks for some reason. So who knows? Uh, but it will be interesting to see the rest of the season play out. Either way. Well, apparently, apparently you can't be lit, quote unquote, and play in New York City. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Joakim Noah. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Joakim Noah. <laughs> Not a legend out in the court, but a legend at the bank. So, uh. <laughs> all right, hey. man. I think once we get a Joakim rep- Noah reference in, it's time to end the pod. Thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.